Yeah, how are we doing? Good, good. Yeah, yeah, good to see you, Parkview. Some of you can clap. Some of you are too cold uh, to, to clap. I'm, I'm glad you're here on this wintry, uh, snowy weekend. It's, it's so good to, to see everybody here and coming together to, to sing and just grow and be a part of uh, Parkview this weekend all around the city, all of our campuses. And, and I have a feeling, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain of this, that, that most all of you, uh, you, you understand how to navigate the whole snow thing better than I do. Uh, I've had just a few issues with it the last few days. I'm not as used to it. I grew up in Kansas, so I you know, had my fair share of snow, but haven't been around it as, as much in, in, in recent years. Uh, but even, I just wanted to kind of show you, the other last few days, a couple canceled flights and, and delays and things like that. And I finally got in uh, just the other night, and it was just coming down. You know, I mean, it, w- it was crazy. And uh, I just thought I'd give you like a little behind the scenes into my life and you know, getting here and arriving here and, and, and being with you. I, I got to Pastor Tim's house. And I made just a little video for him uh, just to show him, you know, what was going on at his house and to thank him just so much for, for how just much help he had given me to get there. And uh, so, so, so take just a moment and watch this short video that I sent to Pastor Tim the other night. Uh, okay, Tim and Bill, this is so awesome. Uh, Tim, I am actually at your house and it has taken me like 25 minutes to get into the driveway. I've been pulling in and out and I finally just rammed into your driveway. And now look at this, when I open the door, Check this out. Like when I open the door, the snow is like my door does a snow angel. Look at that. Like, like the snow is like up to my door in your driveway. I'm just thinking, is there not any pastoral, some kind of pastoral snow shovel removal company? This is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it, t- it, t- it took me forever uh, to get in there, and it was so thick in his driveway because nobody had been in and out of there for a day or so. And, and so I tried to go in. It took me like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I'm trying to get in. And, uh, and then like on the third time, I went down the street for like, you know, 100 yards and got that slow roll, and I built up speed. And on the third time, I mean, I just crushed into his driveway and just snow going everywhere. I thought it was going to go through his garage door, which would have been not a good thing. And, and I totally just kind of marooned myself and I had no idea to get out of there and, and I finally you know, got out and, and it was freezing cold and stuff like that. And uh, it, I just want to say it's good to be a part of the Parkview crew because as I got inside and I was getting warm and uh, about 45 minutes or so later, uh, I, I hear this outside of the house. Take a look at this short video. This is our, our neighbors over there, the Langs, and, and they had come over and they had brought like this, this snow ejection machine with them, and it was amazing to watch it, you know, blowing stuff everywhere, and then they literally had on their boots and they were kicking the snow uh, away from the car and stuff. It was, it was uh, just fantastic, and I'm, I'm thankful to be here, and I'm glad that you're here again as we come together to stay warm and to study uh, God's Word together. We're in this series called Who Needs God? And if you were around here last weekend, Pastor Tim kicked things off, and he was talking about kind of like this atheism 2.0, and how a lot of people in our world are moving more towards an atheistic point of view and not needing God as much in their lives. And the reason they're moving toward that is not so much because they've read a book about atheism and just decided they're going to become an atheist. The, The reason a lot of people have moved towards that in our world, maybe the reason some of you have taken steps away from God, or some of your kids have, or your grandkids have. The reason some of your faith has gotten shaky and you started taking steps away from God is is simply because of this. 
It's because the God you grew up with failed to meet your expectations. The God you grew up with and everything he should do and was required to do and you were taught he would do and all this and that, sometimes he doesn't do it and he just fails to meet your expectations. And so we just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm not sure if he's even real. And here's what I want us to discover today as we study that a lot of times, for, for many of us, the, the God that we've taken steps away from, the God that we have quit believing in, here's what I want us to realize. It's completely possible that that God that you've quit believing in never even really existed in the first place. Let me share a common conversation with you that I have every month or so. I'm at a coffee shop or I'm getting lunch somewhere, I'm on an airplane or just on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, and I get into a conversation with someone, and it's just normal, it's good, everything is going fine. And then all of a sudden, uh, this person finds out what I do, okay? They find out I'm a preacher, they find out I'm a pastor, and the, the conversation immediately turns, and it turns into what I call a God talk, okay? We're just always going to talk about God. And the person almost always goes one of two ways. First of all, they begin to tell me, just how good God is. God's been so good to me. God's been so good to my family. They talk about that. Or they go to the other side and say, you know what, I, I used to go to church years ago. I haven't been to church in who knows how long. I haven't been to church in forever. It goes that direction. And if it goes that direction, a lot of times I say to them, okay, you know, t could you tell me though for just a few minutes about why you left church and, and this God that you got upset with and this God you don't believe in. And, and so they go into all these things about how God didn't do this and he should have done this and God just let me down here or he let me, my parents down there. Or something. They, they tell me all this stuff. And when they get done, I can almost always look right at them and say, you know what? Wow. <laughs> I don't think I believe in God either. And that always kind of freaks them out a little, right? Because they're thinking, you're a preacher, and I just made you not believe in God. This is, I'm going to go to hell. That's what I'm going to do. I just turned you into an atheist. This is, what, this is an awful thing. That, 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 that's what they're thinking a lot of times. But, here, but here's what I say. I, I, don't, I don't think I believe in God either. At least not the God you're describing. Not that God. And here's what's going on in our world, Parkview. You're kind of in one of two camps. This camp over here is those who have been kind of raised up in church, raised up in Christianity since you were small, going to church. But then as you get older... You kind of begin to realize there's some things you can't explain about God. There's some things that don't make sense in the Bible, potentially. And you begin to have some doubts. Or there's the side over here that hasn't really gone to church at all, that doesn't really need God, would maybe even consider themselves kind of atheist, but not completely atheist, because for this group over here that doesn't even really need God, to think about a world that doesn't have God at all, well, that's not good either. We need God. And so you're kind of, some people are kind of like stuck in the middle. When it comes to Christianity, I have some doubts. When it comes to a world without God at all, well, I have some doubts about that too. And so here's what we're doing today. Today's message is unapologetically for people who would say, I've had some doubts. I've had some doubts. I don't want anybody to know it. No, I don't want my family to know it. I don't want anybody in my row to know. I don't want to look obvious today. But I've had some doubts, and, and Todd, I'm, I'm still at church, okay, I'm still coming, I'm, I'm still giving, I'm, I'm still singing, I sing when everyone else is singing, I'm singing. My kids are here, we get our kids here, the kids, the kids are here, but here's the truth, here's the truth, I'm, I'm not sure if I believe all this anymore. Here's the thing, if you feel even a little bit that way today, I'm so glad you're here. 
Because this is for you. Today we're going to talk all about why do people even start to doubt God? Why do people get doubts in their head about God? And why do people begin to walk away from God in their lives and leave him behind? Pastor Andy Stanley has a lot to say about this in this series, Who, know, who Needs God? And, and this message and lots of the things, these, these thoughts about who God is in our world have come from North Point and his team there. And it's so amazing how he unpacks some of this. Here's what Andy says about this. When people lose faith or step away from religion, when, when people, in other words, when people decide to leave God behind, what they're really leaving is the version of Christianity that they grew up with. So catch this, when somebody you know, your kids, your grandkids, whoever it is, steps away from God, somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with, steps away from God, what they're really leaving is the version of Christianity that they grew up with. And maybe the version you grew up with or around was really, you know, uh, liberal or really conservative or really charismatic or Catholic or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Methodist or whatever it is. All of those are versions of Christianity. And let's be honest, if you have started to step away or someone you know has started to step away, what you've done is you've stepped away from the version that you grew up with. And I'll tell you, I, I, I get that because that's, that's me in, in a lot of ways. I grew up believing, and I don't know exactly where I got it, just probably from how I grew up and the people I was around, the church I was, I was around, I grew up believing that God lived in here, in the church. God, this was like the sanctuary. This is where God was at instead of God living in me. There was very little about that. It was God living here. And because of that, because God lived at church and lived in the sanctuary, we always needed to go to church so we could meet God there, right? you got to go to church because you can fellowship with God and, and meet God there. So we were always going to church. And also, here's the thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't go to church... You were definitely going to where? Yeah, well, wow. I'm surprised so many of you said it so quickly. Yeah, yeah, right. I wasn't even going to say it. But yeah, you were going to hell. If you didn't go to church, you were going to hell. And that's just kind of, that was behind the scenes. It was never maybe said out loud, but that's just kind of the way it was. And if you grew up in the church or a religious family or something like that, you had this version of Christianity. And I'm not saying it's all off or I'm not saying it's all wrong at all. It's just how, how you grew up. Take a look at what Karen Armstrong says about how this happens in our lives. She says, many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learned about God about the same time as we were told about Santa Claus. But while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology of God remained somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we attained intellectual maturity, many of us, rejected the God that we had inherited and, and denied that he existed. So, here's where we're headed today. We're going to talk for the next little bit about some of the gods that we grew up with. Maybe really close or maybe things we just heard about from parents or grandparents or priests or pastors or things like that. The gods we grew up with. And these are gods that don't exist Gods that don't exist, but yet we grew up kind of believing as if they did. Now, just because these gods don't exist, it doesn't mean there's not one true God that does exist. Amen? There is, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But if you're taking notes, here's the first God that a lot of us have grown up in that doesn't exist. Bodyguard God. Bodyguard 
God. A lot of us have grown up with this, and it's the whole idea that when you were little growing up that God is going to take care of you. God is going to protect you. God protects good people. But then what happened is, as you got older, you started to see holes in this because you started to see lots of really, really bad stuff happen to, to good, good people. And you kind of started to have doubts about this. And so let's just call this out, Parkview. Bodyguard God doesn't exist. If you have quit believing in bodyguard God, good. Because bodyguard God doesn't exist. Now, can God protect you from things? Absolutely. Does he do that? Yes, indeed. But does he do it all the time for all peoples everywhere? No, there's, there's no such thing as bodyguard God. And listen, I know so many people in my life. I have people in my own family. And you probably do too. Who have stepped away from God. And the reason is because of personal pain and things going on in their life. They've got all kinds of stuff going on, and they've asked God to help take this away or, or help me work through this or whatever. And for some reason, which I don't understand, God has not done that. And so they've said, you know what? If God can't help me in this, I'm out. Or just the, the global suffering, the, all the stuff going on around the world. You know how people say things all the time like, how, how could such a good God, if he is good, allow all these bad things to happen to all these good people? And that's, again, the whole mindset which, which some of you were raised, your parents or your pastor or a priest or something like that. One of the defining characteristics of God is that God will protect you. And God does protect people, but, but not in this bodyguard God always kind of way. That God is always going to protect you from everything in, in our lives. Listen, here's the thing. God never even claims this. We like to put this on God, but God never even claims this. In fact, it's quite the opposite when you start reading the Bible, look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10. This is exactly what Jesus says. He says, and all nations will hate you because you're my followers. They're going to hate you. They're, they're not always going to do good to you. And think about it like this. Maybe you've never like wrapped your mind around this. Did you realize that all of Christianity, the church, Christianity launched, it began with a bad thing happening to a good person. That's how it all began, with the cross and Jesus, right? And it seemed to be a really bad thing. That's how it started. And I promise if those first century believers, if they had only believed and they had only taught, hey, listen, become a Christian and God's going to protect you from all bad things. Bad things don't happen to good people. If that's what they had preached, if that's what they had believed in the first century, Christianity would have never made it out of the first century. Because so many of those great and good people lost their lives. They had their lives taken because of their faith. And so here's the point. If you have lost faith in bodyguard God, that's good. Because bodyguard God never even really existed. But we like to believe that he does. Here, here, here's another one. Here's another God that, 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 again, it doesn't exist. If you're taking notes, on-demand God. On-demand God, right? It's like a picture a remote in your hand. It's on-demand God. And on-demand God, here's like that, the characteristic of this. On-demand God responds to all of our good requests in a good way. If it's, if it's a fair request, he's going to respond in just a good, fair way. And it plays out in, in ways like this. Here's what you think sometimes, maybe not out loud, but just on your own. You start saying things like this, conversations with God, and say, okay, God, here's the thing. I don't, I don't need to be rich. I'm not asking to be rich. I don't need to be a millionaire, but here's what I need, God. I need a good job. 
I just need a good job. That seems fair, right? God, you should be able to get me a job. I'm not asking to be a millionaire, but it seems fair that you'll help me get a good job. Fair request. God, God should be into that. Or it it's maybe plays out like this. God, I, I, don't, I don't need to be married next month. I don't even need to be married next year. I'm not, I'm not like obsessed with being married. I'm really not. But here's the thing. God, here's what I need your help with. I need, at least I need a decent date. I, need, I just need a date. I need a decent date. A person I can date who is good. I'm trying to be good. I'm not obsessed with being married. And that seems fair, right? I mean, that God would give you somebody a date or, or play it out in my life. Just the last few days, I'm trying to travel. I'm trying to get here. And I had two different flights canceled. I had one delayed. And I find myself in the Indianapolis airport just having this conversation. God, could you, okay, here's the thing. Could you, could you just get me to Chicago? I'm going there for you. Okay, I'm preaching to thousands of people. I need, if you can just get me to Chicago, that seems good, right? I mean, it seems noble. Surely that's going to happen. And here's what happens. Check this out. Here's what happens. We bring things to God that we would do for other people, believing that God will also do those things for us. So we see other people, and we see things they need or things we need to do, and we start thinking to ourselves, you know what? Seriously, I'm not even really that good all the time. And I would still do that for them. I would at least do that for them. So God, who is always good, should do this for me. Right? I mean, that just kind of makes sense. And then you know what happens, right? God doesn't always do what we wish. And a lot of times you ask for these good things and these noble things and these true things, and then it seems like God does nothing, right? And you've been pleading to him. And, and if you're honest, maybe at times you start thinking, you know what, I'm not sure God exists. I'm not sure God is there. I'm not sure he exists. And you know what I would say to you? You're right. You're right. On-demand God doesn't exist. The things that he sees as good and the things that we see as good and noble and true are not always the same. And on demand, God doesn't exist. It's okay to quit believing in on demand God. And frankly, I'm glad on demand God doesn't exist. Aren't you? Can you imagine where your life would be if God was required and obligated to respond to all of your apparently good things in a good way, in a positive way? I mean, our our lives, my life personally would be a wreck. I think I've probably shared this with you before, but if God was required to, to respond to all of my prayer requests and my good things in a positive, good way, here's where it would have begun. I would have been married in the fourth grade. I would have. This is the honest truth. Her name was Sarah Jane, and she was amazing. And I can remember clearly standing by a chain link fence in the fourth grade, praying, God, just let me marry her. She is unbelievable. And that would have been weird, right? I mean, to be married in the fourth grade is, is strange. It's out of bounds, right? It, it just it shouldn't be. And, but that's what would happen. And, but, but the way I, things I think are good and right and, and should be are not always what God thinks are good and right and should be. In fact, take a look at this verse in Isaiah. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. The way God does things and the way we do things is not always the same. The way he sees things and the way we see things is not always the same. And this whole idea of on-demand God who we just impose these good things on, on-demand God doesn't exist. If you've stepped away from him, good. Good. Let's keep going. Is this fun, right? These are gods that don't exist, right? These, these, these are not real gods, but we kind of live as if they are. Here's, here's another one. Are you ready for this one? Boyfriend, girlfriend God. 
boyfriend-girlfriend God is how we live sometimes. We may not always say it, but you know, you remember when you got your first boyfriend? Or remember when you got your first girlfriend and, and kind of how you felt? And it was so amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I have this girlfriend, this boyfriend. And, and you felt so close to them. And like when you were together, maybe you held hands and you just got all, you know, like nervous and your hands got all sweaty and things like that. And, and you just loved being around them. And even when you weren't, even when you weren't around them, you, you just felt so close to them and you just felt like this feeling like, ah, this is so amazing. It, just, it was just always there. A lot of us were taught this. We were kind of raised to believe that if God is real, then I should always feel his presence. It's kind of like that feeling, a boyfriend, girlfriend, I should always just feel that intimacy and how, how fun that was. If God is real, I should always feel his presence. And I can remember this. Even growing up, I can remember being at places like camp in junior high and high school. I can remember going to church camp, and I can remember clearly, like, when we would sing at camp, it's like I felt like God was in the room. It's like he was there with us. That last night at the campfire at, at church camp, it's like God was right there, and it was so thick, and you had that feeling, and he was close, and it was all, yeah, felt so cool. And then what happened is, I got older. I got older, and to be honest, uh, I didn't always feel God's presence as much, maybe, as I did when I was younger. And, and maybe you can resonate with this. Maybe you've been somewhere in life in the last few weeks or even the last few months where, where you've said something like this to God. You said, God... I really need to feel your presence. I'm going through it right now. At work. Or in my marriage or with my kids or with a neighbor or something like that. God, and maybe you've been in your car sometime just sitting alone and you said something like, God, I'm not asking for too much. I just need to know you're with me. So what do you do? Maybe you start reading the Bible at that point. You, you haven't maybe read it for a while. You know you should read the Bible because you're told you should read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, maybe you'll start feeling closer. And so you spend a few days reading the Bible or maybe even spend a week reading the Bible. And you spend a whole week reading it and you start thinking to yourself, you know what, he's still, I, still, I don't feel it. Or maybe you come to church. Maybe I'll, I need to go to church because that's kind of where God is. And I know I need to go to church. That's what my parents said and my spouse says. And so anyway, you come to church and you come in to a worship service like this. And everyone's standing around you singing. And you get standing by somebody who during the worship service is just going for it. You know what I mean? They've got their hands raised and all that kind of stuff. And you're standing right beside them or you're standing right behind them. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I think they're making all this up. Because I, I don't, I, I'm not feeling what they're feeling. I mean, they, I don't, they got a whole lot of God getting all over them. I, I got very little God. I got no God. There's no God getting on me. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. And here, here's what happens. At some, here's what happens. At some point in your life, you were told that God is always with you. Which is true. Follow me here. You were told that God is always with you. And that's true. But what you have allowed that to come to mean is that you will always feel his presence. And when you don't feel his presence, you begin to wonder if he's present. Is he really present? Is he real? I don't feel him. I haven't felt him for a while. Is he real? And I just want to say, where, where do we get that? Who told you that? Who told me that? 
that you always had to feel his presence for him to be present. It's kind of one of those things we grew up with. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says about this kind of thought. He says many of the things in our life that we are least aware of are the most real and present. Things that we don't really we aren't really aware of are very real in our lives. Let me give you just a few examples of, of, of how this works out. They're very present, but we're not always aware. You've probably never, ever in your life been sitting in a room that is just like perfect in temperature and environment and stuff like that, the perfect temperature. You've never been sitting in a room like that and turned over to one of your friends who you're sitting with and said, hey, <laughs> it is, it's like perfect room temperature, isn't it? I mean, it is so perfect right now. I can't even hardly feel it. It's just perfect. I didn't, I didn't even know I felt it, but I feel it. It's perfect. You've probably never done that, but it's, yet it's there. It's present. You, you've probably never woke up in the morning. The first thing you do when you open your eyes and wake up in the morning, none of you have probably ever said, wow, I'm American. <laughs> Whoa, I feel so American today. No, you probably, have never, you probably are. You live in the United States of America. You probably are, but you've never felt it. It's true. It's present, but you didn't necessarily feel it. Students who are in junior high, high school, college, you probably never, your first thought when you wake up in the morning has probably never been, you know what, I'm so student. I'm so studenty. No, you probably never have felt that way. But, but it's true. But some of the things that are most present in our lives are also the things we're least aware of in our lives. So Parkview, listen, could it be, could it be that even when you don't feel the presence of God, he's still present? He's still present. You know, Mother Teresa, who a lot of you know who Mother Teresa is, if you've seen some of her books or videos or some of her quotes or things like that, do you know even Mother Teresa, if you read some of her writings, she says, that there were seasons of her life, this is unbelievable to me, there are seasons of her life where she went for months and months and months and didn't feel the presence of God. She just kept doing it, kept living it, kept serving, even when she didn't feel it. That's unbelievable to me. And so I just want to say, if, 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 if you've quit believing in boyfriend, girlfriend God who's always there and always that feeling? Good. Because this God doesn't exist. And how many of you know our faith is not built on a feeling, it's built on a fact? Amen? It's not just on how we feel, it's built on the fact that God sent his son Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to come to this earth to live a perfect life, but yet to be crucified on a cross, be in a tomb for three days, and then be raised back again. That is a fact of something that happened in our world, and, it, and we don't always feel that in the way we wish we did. And so if you've quit believing in boyfriend, girlfriend, God, good, because that God doesn't exist, it's okay. It's okay to quit believing in that. And let me share just one other one with you. This is all we'll have time for today, uh, but this is a God that doesn't exist. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, messes so many people up. Probably some of you, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, people you go to school with. I promise you this God has caused all kinds of problems for people. Doesn't exist, but we've grown up kind of believing that he does. Here's this kind of God. It's guilt God. Guilt God. Guilt God operates out of all kinds of rules and guilt and shame and, and, and secrecy and all, all sorts of things like that trying to keep us in line. Guilt God, if, if you go to guilt God with something you know you're going to enjoy, the answer from guilt God is probably no. 
No. Nope. If you're going to enjoy it, no. That's the answer. If, if, if it has anything to do with sexuality, if it's anything sexual, then the answer is absolutely no, 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 no. No, no, no. And this is the God who chases and plagues so many of us through our teenage years and, and through our adult years. It's this, it's this guilt God. And here's what's crazy. Even, even when it comes to going to church, for, for so many people, they, they've quit going to church because of guilt God. And even if you quit going to church, and even if you quit believing in guilt God, it's still very difficult to get the guilt of God off of you. Right? It's just like the guilt just stays there and stays there and stays there, and it tries to control you through guilt and through shame and through fear and that sort of thing. And, and that is, in, in a small way, kind of some of the way that I grew up, and I'm not blaming my church or my parents or anything like that, but maybe some of you will be able to resonate with this. I grew up I grew up with a God of rules. There were a whole lot of rules. If you were going to be close to God and be a good Christian, a whole lot of rules. Now listen, I know that God has good rules and he has good commandments and good precepts. And, and that's another message for another time. There are good things that are for our good. Amen? But I grew up with just lots of rules. That you need to do this and this and this and this and this and this and, this and, and 60 other things. And, and, and here's, here's the way I kind of grew up. You keep the rules and he keeps you safe and saved. You just keep doing these things, staying in line with this, don't get out of line, and you're gonna, he's going to keep you safe. He's not going to let bad things happen. He's going to take care of you, and he's going to keep you saved. And so I grew up with a whole lot of my life just working really, 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 really hard in my own humanness to try and keep all those rules. And what happened is when, when, I, when I didn't always keep the rules, because I couldn't, I couldn't keep them all. When I didn't keep them all, I felt so bad. I felt, I felt so shameful. I felt so guilty. I would get so secretive. And it wouldn't just be for a few days. It would sometimes go on for weeks. And it took me a lot of my life, Parkview, to move from a God of rules to a God of relationship. Moving just beyond the rules with God to a relationship with God. And, and what I want us to realize today as we, we take a little turn, a, a pretty sharp turn in this message today, I want us to realize that, that God is not a God of guilt. That, that God doesn't exist. He doesn't try to guilt us into things. Does God bring conviction into our life? Yes, we get conviction in our life from God and his spirit. That's a different thing. But it's not just guilting us into things and pouring guilt on us in our lives. We don't have a guilt God. We have a God of grace. The God of grace is real. This God does exist, the God of grace. And there's all kinds of scriptures about it in the Bible. Let me share just a few of these. You can write down today if you would like to, and we're going to pull this all together. Take a look at this in Ephesians. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Everybody say grace. grace. It's by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works or, or keeping the rules so that no one can boast. So, so are there rules? Are there precepts for us to live by? Of course. But it's not by keeping these rules that you get saved or get close to God. It's by his grace. He doesn't guilt us into it. He graces us into a relationship with him. What about this in Galatians chapter 2? I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if by keeping the law, by keeping all the rules, could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. That's huge. 
If we could just, if it was all about just keeping the rules and having that guilt and keeping that there and keeping in line and always the conviction, then if we could have just done that, if God could have kept us in line, then Jesus would have never had to come. But that's not it. It's, we can't keep all those rules. And so he gives us his son and he gives us his grace in our lives. What about this in Galatians chapter 5? For if you're, if you're trying, if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, by keeping all the rules, then you've been actually cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. There's this guy in the Bible. His name's Paul. He wrote a lot of this stuff. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Maybe you've heard of Paul. And Paul says, listen, I know all the rules. I know the rules better than anyone. I know all of them. But yet knowing all of the rules, Paul would say, they, they didn't make him feel better about himself. They made him realize how bad he was, and they made him feel guilty, and they didn't make him want to change his life. And then something dramatic happened to Paul. Some of you know what happened to Paul. Paul met Jesus. He had this dramatic encounter with, with, with Jesus. And when that happened, it changed his orientation of God and the way he viewed God. And it changed it from a God of guilt to a God of grace. And this is so much fun for us to be able to consider this weekend because for so many people, maybe for some of you, you've always interacted with God being a lot of guilt and heaping on a lot of guilt. When you can move from a God of guilt that doesn't exist to a God of grace that does exist, it, it, it changes the game. It does several things in our life. First of all, take a look at this. It makes us realize how loved we are. It makes us realize how loved we are. When we keep getting God's grace, even when we step aside or fall short, it makes us realize how loved we are by God. And then the second thing it does, it makes us not want to sin anymore. You know this from people or parents or in your life who just try and pressure you or try and guilt you into things or trying to control you with guilt. That doesn't make you want to obey and fall in line. It just makes you want to do the opposite of what they're saying. God doesn't try and bring us in line by, by guilting us into things. He brings us in line by, by giving us grace in our lives and by loving us in, in, in that way. Listen, we, we don't serve a God of guilt. We serve a God of grace And is, again, does he bring conviction into our life? Yes. But he doesn't just try and control us with this guilty feeling all the time. So pull this all together. All these different gods here, bodyguard God, on-demand God, boyfriend, girlfriend God, guilt God. None of these gods, we said, these gods don't exist. And if you quit believing in these gods, that's fine. That, that's good because they don't exist. And, and really the whole idea of this message today, the whole idea of this whole series that we're doing is this, that if you have had doubts about God, someone that you love, someone you care about, your kids, your grandkids have had doubts about God and begin to walk away from God, it's completely possible that you have begun to walk away from a version of God that doesn't even exist. That could be happening. And what Tim and I want to do, what Pastor Tim and I want to do in this series, is we just want to get very real about who God really is. And just be so honest about who God really is. Because the question we're asking around here is, who needs God? Who really needs God? And the answer is, we all do. Every single one of us need 
God. But we don't need a version of God that, that isn't accurate, that is incomplete. We need to pursue and understand and dig in and take the time to study the one true God. Amen? And passionately go after him. It says in the book of Hebrews that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy, it says, set before him, he endured the cross. He, he scorned its shame. And now Jesus sets at the right hand of the one true God in heaven. And so if you, if you have spent a lot of your life believing, trying to follow, trying to make sense of a God who doesn't even really exist, man, I hope you can be freed up from that. And now... You can give all of your energy and focus to pursuing the one true God. That's what this series is about, what this study is about. And I'm glad you're here as we keep going deeper on this journey to who needs God. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for bringing us here and letting us get out in the cold and be healthy and scrape our cars and come to a place where we can sing and begin to just recalibrate ourselves really towards, towards you and who you are. And God, there's so many things that we hear in our world through friends or through movies or songs or other very good people that, that are not always completely true and accurate about who you are. And, and God, I know that so many times we get upset with you and walk away from you and, and you're thinking, that's not even who I am. God, I pray that you would allow us to just really dial in on who you are and to the best of our ability as human beings, be in tune with that and allow us to pursue you in just a more passionate way than we ever have in our lives. God, that's our prayer. That's our hope. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.